Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Football season is right around the corner, and Bet Online has you covered with all of the college and pro odds, contests, parlays, and wagers. Use our promo code BLEAV50, that's B L E A V 50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast, live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. Welcome, 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 everybody. It is August 31st, according to my count. It may not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in, however and whenever it is, that you may be listening. We have got a fantabulous show coming at you here today. We've had some podcasts that have been long-form conversations over the past few days. We've had guests join the show. We've done a lot of college football previewing, both with Razor Rosenthal on Tuesday and with Blake Jude on Thursday. We played Who He Play For. We did the Matt Areza podcast. We've been doing a lot of long-form conversational podcasts over the last uh, eight to nine days or so, which you can check out all of those episodes. So today, I just wanted to kick back, relax, turn on the microphones, and do some sports radio here today. And it won't be the type of sports radio where the segment can age poorly over the next day or so. It's not one of those segments, but it is a sports radio type of show where we talk about all of the news and happenings going on around sports and things that I haven't been focused on over the last eight days because there are more, uh, according to my thinking, important, interesting, and conversational topics. And of course, we've had great guests come on the show over the past few days. So all of that is leading to a place where uh, we can actually do a sports radio type of podcast here today. And to help us out with that is our friend Juju Talk Sports. He's going to join us later on in the show. The formatting, as we usually do, is like an A block and a guest or whatever it might be. But today we're just going to do four 15-minute segments. It's going to be like an hour of sports radio here today. We're going to do four 15-minute segments, and we're going to get you on your way today. And two of them will involve our friend Juju Talk Sports, who will be here to talk about Lamar Jackson, and he will be here to talk about Kevin Durant. And if you want to see those segments with a visual, you can check out the YouTube channel that he and I run over at the Slump Buster Podcast. You guys know about this now. If you've been listening to the show any amount of time over the last four or five months, uh, you could go all the way back to last year when we first started doing stuff. He Also, 2020, I was on his show one time. But basically, let's say over the last year, if you've been listening to the show, you've gotten to know Juju and the YouTube channel that is part of our weird umbrella of CKSAML Productions, as I uh, came up with a couple of years ago as just a name of all the work that I'm doing. So you can check out the visual of today's show as well. It's available on YouTube. Sometimes we do YouTube exclusives. Today's one of those days. So you can check out the Kevin Durant segments we're going to do and the Lamar Jackson segments coming up later on in the show. For our first Sports radio headline topic of the day. We are going to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. And anytime we talk about Jimmy Garoppolo, we can play this theme song that we created back in February of last year. It's not a theme song, it's more of a parody song uh, that I thought was only going to be applicable for two or three weeks. 
because I assumed that Jimmy Garoppolo would get traded around the time Carson Wentz got traded or when Matt Ryan got traded. And seven months later, we've been able to use this song like 25 times, and it's really creative. It's set to the theme song of the 1993 cult classic movie Groundhog Day. And you can uh, enjoy this parody song of Jimmy Garoppolo anytime we talk about it, because we have a resolution for a temporary resolution in the Jimmy Garoppolo case. Now, is this like the fourth temporary resolution over the last seven months? Yes, it is. But it created 100 hours plus of sports radio content on every sports radio network. And lo and behold, Jimmy Garoppolo is still a San Francisco 49er, at least for the next like five to six weeks. So let's hit that theme song and start talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo drops back to throw. You're gonna lose the game. The seasons come and seasons go. The Niners need a change. If you don't throw check downs, you're gonna take a sack. Jimmy G is warming up. Yeah, he's your quarterback. No, don't throw it. Interceptions drive us all insane. Phones are calling. Ron Rivera wants to make a trade. If a rookie QB isn't in your plans, just call San Francisco up. They got your quarterback. They say he's smart, and he wins games. That don't mean a thing. If since week one, Trey Lance had played, the 49ers would have had a ring. If your team's rebuilding, talent's what you lack. Trade two picks for Jimmy G. Now he's your quarterback. In a weird uh, twist of fate, there is still the possibility that Ron Rivera wants to make a trade for Jimmy G. It would involve Carson Wentz just being terrible at quarterback or more likely getting hurt, but it's still a possibility that Ron Rivera wants to make a trade. We're getting closer. It could come full circle again where Ron Rivera chose Carson Wentz over Jimmy G and then might choose Jimmy G because Carson Wentz gets hurt or Carson Wentz is terrible. I'm still holding out hope that that will happen. Uh, So... I guess we'll start off talking about NFL transaction window because as someone who loves trade deadlines and does a full podcast every year about the NBA draft lottery that is sometimes popular, sometimes not, uh, you would think that like the day when the 53-man rosters are finalized would be something that I would be excited about. I find the transaction incredibly interesting, like a lot of sports fans do. I joke, and again, a lot of people say this, but the transaction is sometimes as interesting as the game, hence the fact that three of the segments we're going to talk about today are Jimmy Garoppolo transact. Actually, all of the segments, I just realized. It's Kevin Durant uh, transaction, Lamar Jackson transaction, Donovan Mitchell transaction, and Jimmy Garoppolo transaction. So the transaction is more popular than the game sometimes. And uh, I think that the 53-man roster finalizing should be something that I'm interested in. And and maybe when I was a child, uh, I say child, I was really like 17 or 18, and I was obsessed over fantasy football and obsessed over football in general. Um, That would be something that I cared about. But now as I've gotten older and I'm doing now, this is our fourth year of covering football and I'm actually pretty good at doing the football analysis stuff now Uh, and I pay far less attention to fantasy football than I ever did in the past and I've won two championships in four years because I'm just good at football analysis now 
Um, I've realized that 53-man roster day is not actually as important as it might seem. Now, the, the MLB trade deadline is probably less important than I give it credit for, and I still say that it's an incredibly impactful day on the MLB schedule in which we dedicate a whole podcast to and I'll spend eight hours watching and you know go crazy for two hours refreshing Twitter and giving myself a dopamine overload because Juan Soto got traded to the Padres and I'll do four podcasts about that in three weeks but I don't get up for Kellen Mond getting waived by the Minnesota Vikings and I don't get overly excited about Trayvon Mullen uh, getting traded from the Raiders to the Cardinals, but you should be overly excited about that, and you should read what Walter Mitchell has to say at revengeofthebirds.com and the Red Rain Podcast, part of the CKSAML Productions podcast slash just general, like my portfolio of work. You can check out the Red Rain Podcast if you want full breakdown on the Trayvon Mullen trade from the Raiders to the Cardinals, but I, I don't usually get up for that, and I'm like, this matters. We should talk about all of these transactions. We should emphasize Marlon Mack getting cut by the Houston Texans because as I've joked before for years like anyone can rush for a thousand yards with that Colts offensive line and we know this because Marlon Mack rushed for a thousand yards twice in his career with the Colts and since then he has been cut by three different teams now including the Houston Texans part of that's running backs aging out quickly the other part is it's Marlon Mack and Marlon Mack became an NFL running back only because the Indianapolis Colts exist and once they got a good NFL running back like Jonathan Taylor they turned him into what looks like Derrick Henry so I don't get up as much for the transactional window as maybe other people do, although the moves that I found interesting, I just kind of like sneaked into the podcast here for two minutes or three minutes talking about how I don't care about the transactional window. The Jimmy G transaction is one that actually has a meaningful impact, not just because of quarterbacks mattering to the level that they do in the NFL. It matters because Jimmy Garoppolo has NFL cultural cachet, which is... People like to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo more than Jimmy Garoppolo it should be being talked about, and that's because he is the starting quarterback on one of the four most popular football teams in the NFL. The same way that, like, obviously the Cowboys are number one, and Tony Romo, and Jason Witten, and uh, Troy Aikman, and... Uh, for a time, Emmett Smith, but then he was terrible at broadcasting. Those guys get all the broadcast jobs. Michael Irvin gets a broadcast job, even though Michael Irvin had a criminal trial that, again, we Michael Irvin, Dallas Cowboy, popular, we're going to put him on TV, and uh, he's going to be like the, the kind of like Snoop Dogg equivalent, where like Snoop Dogg advertises every single product commercially for corporations all commercial spokesperson across america and snoop dogg went through a murder trial in the 90s like as long as you have that dallas cowboy connection you're going to find a way into the beloved you know media spaces because the dallas cowboys are such a far-reaching fan base and i think that the 49ers are right there in terms of like immense popularity as a national brand. The Dallas Cowboys are obviously a national brand. Uh, The New England Patriots are obviously a national brand. And I think the 49ers are right in there after. I said fourth earlier because I think uh, Pittsburgh is kind of in that group. Baltimore is kind of in that group. But there's just kind of a mix of teams that... Uh, because of location geographically and because of the the nature of fan bases and you know for the 49ers success in the 80s and 90s that made them a national team uh, similar to Baltimore becoming a national team or Pittsburgh being a national team from 20 to 30 to 40 to 50 years ago you know San Francisco has that cultural value within the NFL and so we talk a lot about Jimmy Garoppolo uh, even though Jimmy Garoppolo is just a tad smidgen above Mitchell Trubisky when it comes to quarterback evaluation. Like, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the backup for the 49ers now, and most people think he is maybe the best backup in the NFL at this point. And if he were starting on the Panthers instead of Baker Mayfield, or if he were starting on the Giants instead of Daniel Jones, we would think of him as the worst starting quarterback in the NFL because there are 22 starting quarterback jobs in the NFL. It's it's usually between 21 and 23, but usually every year there are 32 teams and 10 teams decide they are either playing a rookie who will not be a starter within two or three years. That's about four or five teams. And four or five teams actively decide to tank and play a quarterback that is not 
a starting caliber quarterback. This year, it's Marcus Mariota. It's uh, Geno Smith with the Seahawks. It's Davis Mills with the Houston. Uh, Davis Mills kind of applies for both. Davis Mills is rookie who won't be starting in two to three years and not a star caliber quarterback. It was Drew Locke with the Broncos a couple of years ago. Like eight to 10 teams actively choose to have a worse quarterback for different reasons. It could be that you have a rookie. It could be that you have, uh, or you're trying to tank for a rookie. It could be that, you know, whatever. Uh, Pete Carroll has a personal connection with Geno Smith. And so Geno Smith is going to start for the Seahawks. But basically you can figure out who, uh, you can figure out there's like 22 to 23 starting quarterback jobs. And Jimmy Garoppolo inhibits that group between 19 and 25 in terms of starting quarterbacks where might be a starter on a bad team or might be a backup on a really good team and uh for the group that's like 22 to 25 we have a term for it called bridge watering which is you know teddy bridgewater's been living in this group for years where you can go be a backup in a good place and trick a bad team into giving you 20 million dollars per year for two years like teddy bridgewater got and that was uh his one big contract. But Jimmy Garoppolo is kind of in that space. He's made $100 million in his career. Three years ago, Jimmy Garoppolo was a tier three quarterback, who, you know, on the level of Matt Ryan, or I guess right now Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins. And uh, I guess he, Matthew Stafford's kind of on the precipice of that group. But like basically that group of quarterbacks between like 11 and 16, Jimmy Garoppolo was there and then he didn't get better over the past few years you could argue he's gotten worse but I'd argue Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't gotten better since 2019 and Joe Burrow has entered the league and gotten better than him Justin Herbert's entered the league and is clearly better than him uh Kyler Murray has entered the league and is clearly better than him and last year's group doesn't really have one yet but eventually one of those quarterbacks will surpass Jimmy Garoppolo and like because of that Jimmy Garoppolo isn't the starting quarterback on the Jaguars or the starting quarterback on the Bears which would be natural fits for him leaving San Francisco because those teams have chosen rookies over Jimmy Garoppolo uh, despite the fact that like Zach Wilson versus Jimmy Garoppolo as a starter you, you'd argue Jimmy Garoppolo is the better quarterback now but you're hoping that Zach Wilson develops into something that one day becomes better than Jimmy Garoppolo. So ultimately, he was stuck in purgatory. He had shoulder surgery. And the 49ers and him basically agreed to kick the can down the road for six to seven weeks, basically up until the trade deadline, where Jimmy Garoppolo didn't report to camp, then was practicing on like the secondary field to kind of help rehab himself. And the 49ers and him basically came to an agreement of you're you're going to be the backup quarterback at mid-level backup quarterback money, I guess high-end backup level money at $6.5 because some backups are on rookie deals. Basically, you're going to make the same amount of money as Chase Daniel and Case Keenum, and you're going to be our backup quarterback for uh, this season. And if Trey Lance gets hurt, there's like incentive bonuses in your contract or whatever else it might be. And so Garoppolo agrees to this because no team has more cap space available than the 49ers, which I thought was interesting because in my mind I was thinking, well, most people think Jimmy Garoppolo is the best backup quarterback in the NFL. And the best backup quarterbacks in the NFL make between 10 to $15 million a year. Or, you know, that's what Marcus Mariota made for the Raiders the past couple years. And that's what Jacoby Brissett made on the Dolphins last year. So you just kind of assume that, like, if he's in that group of best backups in the NFL, he'll make anywhere between 10 to $15 million. And what teams are realizing, I would guess, is that we can find cheaper alternatives for Jimmy Garoppolo as our backup quarterback and or both are possibilities here it's either that's also happening and at the same time or teams are operating on the other side which is we just don't want to invest 35 million dollars into the quarterback position some teams are doing it because they have you know one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the nfl and they're paying 35 to 40 million dollars against the cap to have those quarterbacks but then other teams are looking at it like i just don't want to pay that much money to the quarterback room I'd rather do it economically like what the Eagles have with Jalen Hurts where I personally think Jimmy Garoppolo is as good of a quarterback as Jalen Hurts Jalen Hurts will probably not be the Eagles quarterback beyond this year although the Eagles have a ridiculously talented roster this year 
and Jalen Hurts. You can point to Jalen Hurts and say he is the a position of need for the Eagles. If you're figuring out what are the positions the Eagles need to upgrade at quarterback, if not like second on the list, is like third or fourth on the list in terms of like positions the Eagles need to upgrade at. And so, you know, they're deciding we can pay. million for Jalen Hurts for two more seasons instead of paying $10 million for Jimmy Garoppolo. And so that's why the Eagles were never a possibility, why the Giants were never a possibility. And I thought that was interesting that Garoppolo wasn't going to get more than $6.5 million on the open market. And as I think about it, I'm brought back to the like simple economic principle of something is worth whatever someone's willing to pay for it. And no one was willing to pay more than the 49ers for Jimmy Garoppolo. And so Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, credit to him, swallowed his pride on that one. Like Jimmy Garoppolo absolutely swallowed his pride on San Francisco, both, you know, with getting Trey Lance in the draft last year and having Trey Lance named the starter, him sitting out for five months and then being willing to come back just to kind of kick the can down the road on, hey, some team's going to get desperate. Some team that's ready-made to win is going to lose their quarterback to injury, and then you will be traded, and we will get equal value for him. And, you know, credit to Garoppolo for swallowing his pride and saying, you know what, that sounds good to me. And if in the event Trey Lance gets hurt, I come in, good on me. I just I was surprised that he swallowed his pride on that one and, and took a you know pretty significant pay cut. Granted that Jimmy Garoppolo, well, obviously, if he got cut, he wasn't going to get anything, but... Jimmy Garoppolo basically is getting paid Chase Daniel Case Keenum money to be the backup for the for the um for the 49ers and I thought that was interesting and he might still get traded for the 49ers sake they basically bought a third round pick because of compensatory picks they basically bought a third round pick and a backup quarterback for six million dollars which is a great value play if that third round pick turns into anything that's a great value play like the, the Browns, when they were tanking and going 1-31, gave up a second-round pick, bought a second-round pick for $18 million from the Houston Texans. That was a great move by Cleveland because that pick turned into Nick Chubb. It added value to a team that was tanking. Using cap space to your advantage is a great mechanism in the NFL because it allows you to, to get a competitive advantage potentially over other teams. I was just surprised that uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was willing to cooperate and take a six and a half million dollar contract, which again, if he plays, it could go up to top backup level money. And like, there's there's all sorts of contingencies, and they had four months to map out this contract, so it obviously has all of these contingencies and complications. Um, I was just interested that that was what the final move was, and obviously the best thing for both sides would be team that's ready made to win has a quarterback get hurt. 49ers can get better than a third round pick for Garoppolo and save a little bit of money. I mean, you know, $2 million to $3 million is basically chump change when the 49ers have free cap space that they're not actually going to spend during the season. They're just going to let that money go to waste. Um, It's interesting that they chose to keep Garoppolo on the roster, and ideally they still want a trade to happen, and they get better than a second round or better than a third round pick in value in exchange for Garoppolo to go to a team that's ready made to win now. That would be the best situation for both sides. They've been saying that for four weeks. They both believe it. It's a weird symbiotic relationship that again, Garoppolo is willing to swallow his pride in the sake of having a symbiotic relationship with the 49ers and working together to find an ideal situation for both of them. And you know what? It's very wholesome. It's wholesome to see a, a good relationship between an orga- between management and labor working together, putting pride aside, and being willing to come to uh, an agreement that works out for both sides. It's quite wholesome. You don't get to see it in the ruthlessly capitalistic America, where the football is a massive corporation that has 32 mini-corporations built inside the single corporation. And it's interesting that that's how they ended up choosing to go about that. I thought it was very wholesome. So good on Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers for getting it done. They will continue to wait for someone, I'm not going to name names, someone to have a ready-made team get injured and the team would be willing to give up a third rounder and a sixth rounder conditionally to get Jimmy Garoppolo as their fill-in starter.
Garoppolo drops back to throw. You're gonna lose the game. The seasons come and seasons go. The Niners need a change. If you don't throw check downs, you're gonna take a sack. Jimmy G is warming up, yeah, he's your quarterback. No, don't throw it. Interceptions drive us all insane. Phones are calling. Ron Rivera wants to make a trade. If a rookie QB isn't in your plans, just call San Francisco up. They got your quarterback. They say he's smart, and he wins games. That don't mean a thing. If since week one, Trey Lance had played, the 49ers would have had a ring. If your team's rebuilding, talent's what you lack. Trade two picks for Jimmy G. Now he's your quarterback. All right, so if we're doing true sports radio, that segment was basically the equivalent of two sports radio segments, which means that we're coming out of a break, and this is a short segment. However, this is a podcast, so we can go over an hour with four segments because it's a podcast, and we can do whatever we want on a podcast, which means for our B Block, or I guess our second segment on our sports radio Wednesday, on our second segment, I wanted to talk about Donovan Mitchell the NBA, and the New York Knicks. Because something very interesting is going on in this Donovan Mitchell trade scenario, very similar to the Jimmy Garoppolo case, where it's a weird symbiotic relationship between the Jazz and the Knicks and the rest of the NBA. And it's a trade market that has developed in such a unique way that there's never really been quite a case like this, where Donovan Mitchell is available for trade. It's been known for two months. We did a podcast back on, I want to say, July 14th. I'm going to go back and try and confirm this, but July... Oh, I nailed it exactly correct. Exactly correct. July 14th, we did a full podcast about the New York Knicks and Donovan Mitchell because it seemed pretty clear that that was the partnership that was headed towards a formation. Donovan Mitchell happens to be from New York and went to Louisville, which is no connection to New York, but Rick Pitino now coaches in New York, so I guess that's a weird way to to figure that one out. Again, I will always point out, Rick Pitino said after Donovan Mitchell's sophomore season that he needed one more year at Louisville before going to the draft. Donovan Mitchell went to the draft anyways, and in that year that Rick Pitino said he needed at Louisville, Donovan Mitchell averaged 21 points per game and led the Utah Jazz offensively to the second round of the playoffs when they beat the Clippers in the first round of the playoffs, and Rick Pitino said that Donovan Mitchell needed to spend that year at Louisville. Donovan Mitchell and the Utah Jazz were... I'm sorry, the Utah Jazz made Donovan Mitchell available. The Knicks were the team that was connected all the way through and through because any team offering a trade package for Donovan Mitchell was not going to beat the offer the New York Knicks had. The New York Knicks had four first-round draft picks from the last three years. R.J. Barrett, Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, and Quinton Grimes. Quinton Grimes wasn't a first-round pick, but he's like a value player that is now the equivalent of a first-round pick. He was a late first-round prospect that ended up falling to the Knicks later in the draft. The Knicks have those four first-round picks in the last two years, or three years. And by the way, R.J. Barrett right now is worth three first-round picks or two first-round picks on the open market, depending on 
what you value R.J. Barrett at. He's now worth the equivalent of two first-round picks. So they have basically five first-round picks of value from the last three years, and they have eight draft picks in the next five years because they made trades with... They basically traded away all their draft picks in this year's draft so they could get three future first-round picks. They have the first-rounder from the Porzingis trade still available to them, and... They have all of their own draft picks. So the Knicks are sitting with eight first-round picks in the next five years that they can trade, plus five first-round picks of value from the last three years. They have the equivalent of 13 first-round picks to trade to the Utah Jazz, and no team is going to come close to that offer for the New York Knicks. And Donovan Mitchell, while he's a superstar, or while he's a star, doesn't have the same ability to veto a trade that Kevin Durant does because Donovan Mitchell isn't requesting a trade and Donovan Mitchell is a great player not a player who has what I like to call the fuck around and find out clause and so Donovan Mitchell and by the way Donovan Mitchell's from New York so like power to him might want to go to the Knicks Donovan Mitchell's cool with that trade and no team's going to be able to match the Knicks offer and what happened over the past few weeks is that the New York Knicks and the Utah Jazz couldn't come to a compromise on a deal. And like we talked about with the Kevin Durant trade last week, the Nets were asking for 10 first-round picks, teams were only willing to offer 4 or 5, and so no, eventually they would compromise at 7 to 8 picks worth of value. The New York Knicks have 13 first-round picks worth of value to offer. Again, 5 first-round picks from the last 3 years, eight first-round picks over the next five years. And I know not everything is is worth picks. These are obviously players. It's just the easiest way to do simple math and like explain this on a base-level terms on a sports radio segment that's only going to take 10 minutes. Jazz, Jazz president Danny Ainge is asking for 10 first-round picks of value for Donovan Mitchell, which seems crazy because... That's what Brooklyn was asking for Kevin Durant, and most people think Kevin Durant is a better player than Donovan Mitchell, and if you trade for Kevin Durant, you get more control of Kevin Durant than you would of Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell has three years left on his deal, which means any team that trades for him is getting at least two years, then they sign him to a full max extension, or he says, I'm not going to re-sign with your team, and they have to trade him again. So you basically get two years of Donovan Mitchell, and... For two years of Donovan Mitchell, the Jazz are asking for 10 first-round picks, let's say. I mean, based on what the the rumors were, according to Woj, that the and Woj has sources within the Knicks front office, and uh, he's friends with Danny Ainge, I think. I don't remember, but he has a lot of front office sources, is that um, the Jazz were asking for R.J. Barrett, Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, and six to seven first-round picks. So they're asking for 10 first-round picks of value. And the New York Knicks are only willing to give up six to seven to get Donovan Mitchell. And neither side is willing to compromise at this point because Danny Ainge is being hardball negotiator, as Danny Ainge usually does in these trades. But he's stuck on 10, you gotta meet 10, and the only team that can meet the, the price for Donovan Mitchell and is motivated to meet that price is the New York Knicks. Now, if it's six to seven, like the Knicks are offering, Sacramento could get in on that game. Charlotte could get in on that game. Washington could get on that in on that game. Miami could get in on that trade package. If we're talking about 10, only the New York Knicks can meet that level of value. And so for the past six weeks, no movement has happened because it's an exclusive negotiation with the Jazz and the Knicks. Jazz aren't willing to go down. Knicks will go up, but the Jazz aren't willing to go down to eight picks worth of value so that the New York Knicks can still secure a trade. Because again, the Knicks don't have to offer what the Jazz are asking for. The Knicks just have to offer what the market says Donovan Mitchell is worth. And the market says Donovan Mitchell is worth just slightly more than what any other team can offer. And Utah... Either Utah can keep Donovan Mitchell, or they can trade Donovan Mitchell for the price that the that the uh, the Knicks have set it at, or the Knicks can overpay for Donovan Mitchell. Both are possibilities. Both will lead to the Knicks losing in the play-in game in first round over the next two years. 
we talked about that back on July 14th. You can check out that episode as well. And so what happened yesterday, I guess it was Monday, but we're recording this Tuesday evening. What happened yesterday was really interesting where the Knicks signed R.J. Barrett to a four-year max, not max extension. They signed R.J. Barrett to a four-year $120 million extension, which the ma- it's like $20 million short of the max. It's like not it's like a small market max for RJ Barrett. He got what John Collins got from the Hawks, which is you're not an all-star, but you're a top 50 player. So, you can get 120 million dollars, but not a full max. And RJ Barrett kind of knows that he's not an all-star. He averages 20 points a game. He's a top 50 player. He's not an all-star, he's not a fringe all-star, he's a top 50 player got the exact same value John Collins got. And if R.J. Barrett were available on the open market, he would get a player and two first-round picks if they were just to trade R.J. Barrett exclusively. Now, age helps his value a little bit. Basically, they would get a player and two first-round picks for R.J. Barrett. And signing him to the extension means that they can't trade R.J. Barrett until December of this year, which means that... Utah and New York, now the, the the piece that was worth two first-round picks is off the table. So now, instead of 13 first-round picks of value that the Knicks have to offer, they now only have 11 first-round picks of value. And what's interesting about that is that the Knicks, if they have 11 first-round picks of value, can still match what Utah is asking for Donovan Mitchell, and they still have more value than any team in the league. The Knicks signed R.J. Barrett to an extension. They're going to keep R.J. Barrett, and they can still make the best offer to the Utah Jazz for Donovan Mitchell and are motivated to do so. And that is so fascinating to me that the piece that was worth the best value on the table, which is R.J. Barrett, out of all the players that are already on the team, R.J. Barrett holds the most value in a trade, the New York Knicks took him off the table and they still can make the best offer, which is why after the news came in on Monday that R.J. Barrett got the extension, they said that the management team of the Knicks, led by Leon Rose, gave the Jazz an ultimatum to try and put pressure on them to, to accept their offer. And they said, you accept it by Monday or Barrett is no longer available. And... The Jazz did not accept. They signed Barrett to an extension. The Jazz still have the best offer on the table. I'm sorry, the the Knicks still have the best offer on the table. And it just does not matter. And that's really, really fascinating to me that they have the best offer on the table by leaps and bounds, even still. And they signed R.J. Barrett, took him off the table, and Utah wasn't willing to... like Utah was willing to call their bluff and say... We're not going to be pressured into taking less than what we value Donovan Mitchell at. Which, if they're motivated to trade Donovan Mitchell, eventually they will. They can also make the argument that they'll keep Donovan Mitchell. What is the point of keeping Donovan Mitchell and going 11th in the Western Conference? It defeats the purpose of the tank. The Knicks are calling the Jazz's bluff. The Jazz are trying to get other teams involved. They know nobody's going to match what the Knicks have to offer. Because the Knicks just took R.J. Barrett off the table... And Utah still has the best offer on the table. Now, unless they get a franchise to give up everything for Donovan Mitchell, like they just like unload their own star player and every draft pick in the books. If they get a team that's willing to overpay just to have Donovan Mitchell, they get it. It just hasn't happened yet and probably won't happen. Although never count out the stupid ability of the Sacramento Kings and Washington Wizards to F shit up and end up trading for Donovan Mitchell. But in the case of like Washington giving up, I don't know, like every first round pick for the next 10 years and every pick swap plus Denny Aviv and Rui Hachimura and any other first round pick they've had over the past few years. Or in Sacramento's case, giving up De'Aaron Fox and Keegan Murray, or I don't know, giving up Keegan Murray and eight first round picks never underestimate their ability to do stupid shit it just looks like donovan mitchell's still going to end up with the knicks the jazz are just going to eventually compromise and get a deal done with new york danny ainge has just not been willing to compromise right now which fair tactic you hold out as long as you can until you can't hold out any longer 
Um, I think that they're just waiting for someone to compromise with them and match their value, which is hardball negotiating. And sometimes you get burned doing that. Danny Ainge has been burned many times doing that. It's why he got fired by the Boston Celtics is because he wasn't willing to make trades that weren't overpays. And he ended up drafting all those picks instead of getting Kawhi Leonard and drafting all and drafting Peyton Pritchard instead of trading for James Harden. So, you know, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. It's just a strategy of doing trades. And uh, it'll still be the Knicks and Jazz for the next month or so. It's just super interesting that they took R.J. Barrett off the table altogether. So that's segment two on this Sports Radio Wednesday. Joining us now is our friend Juju Talks Sports of the Slump Buster podcast and of relative Twitter fame to join us on the show and talk about Lamar Jackson and talk about Kevin Durant here on this fine, fine Wednesday. Lamar Jackson has been offered more money than Kyler Murray per Jay Glazer, but that doesn't mean a contract extension has gotten done. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens still haven't agreed to a contract as Lamar is seeking to only be the third player in NFL history to receive a fully guaranteed contract. Understandable both sides, why both sides would want a fully guaranteed contract or a non-fully guaranteed contract. There isn't a ton of precedent for it in the league. It's still an anomaly that the two examples that we have are, of course, a very unique situation with Deshaun Watson and Kirk Cousins, who is one of the biggest anomalies in the league just by his pure existence. Darian, when you hear that it, the Ravens and Lamar haven't come to terms on an agreement, do you think the Ravens should bend to his whims in terms of fully guaranteed? Or do you think that they have reason to be hesitant to offer it? I think Lamar Jackson should not play this season until he gets his contract. And I'm just be, I'm gonna be completely honest because you gotta you gotta secure your future, especially the way he plays. You know he he use a lot of his, of his legs, and he does take hits when he's using his legs. So you gotta you gotta secure the bag when it comes to Lamar Jackson. But this is the problem with the Ravens at the quarterback position. the The highest I ever seen the Ravens play pay for a quarterback was Joe Flacco after the Super Bowl. If you look at all the quarterbacks that came through the Baltimore Ravens. We're on cheap contracts. You've never seen a fully guaranteed quarterback get signed by the Baltimore Ravens. They'll go everywhere else on their positions, cornerback, wide, not even wide receiver, running backs, offensive line, but they never did a fully, a real full guaranteed contract for, for a Baltimore Ravens quarterback. And this is why Lamar Jackson is going probably going to hold out. The guy's a former MVP. He threw 39 interceptions. I think it was no, no, 39 touchdowns. I'm sorry. Touchdowns, not interceptions. Um, he threw 39 touchdowns. He didn't even have a double-digit interception that year. Understanding that the cup last couple of years, he, he was hurt. Understand that. But he's still a dynamic player. And you don't want to risk that going off of a, a, a rookie contract that, you know, Kyle Murray is not even better than Lamar Jackson, in my opinion. So if you want to pay the bag to somebody, it got to be Lamar Jackson. And I think he deserves it. It's just the Ravens are being cheap as an organization and they don't want to pay their star. Yeah, but on one hand, they're offering him the second highest paid contract in the NFL. So they are, in theory, paying him. Now, the question is over this term guaranteed. Technically, it could all be guaranteed if he plays up to his ability. He's the superstar we expect him to be. Uh, remains healthy, short of a catastrophic injury, which... Honestly, in terms of here, here's my thing. How many devastating injuries do we see in the NFL on a yearly basis at the quarterback position anymore? Yes, we had Alex Smith a couple of years ago, but isn't that more of a rarity? I mean, even guys uh, who tear their ACL come back the next year, guys who tear their Achilles come back the next year. Uh, Dak, you know, obviously got his contract after his injury. So, right. I, I don't think that even if Lamar, let's say this, he goes out there week one this year, tears his ACL. I don't think teams aren't going to be willing to pay him next year or he's not, he's going to be at risk of not playing out the rest of his contract. Now I it's come, comes into that territory too, with obviously Lamar, one of his biggest strengths is his athleticism. And if he does suffer injury, will that go away? Will that fade? Well, that's where I'm hoping too, Lamar. And I think at one point he'll realize this too. He, he needs to develop a second gear as a quarterback because no matter how athletic you are, that's, that's fades. No matter who you are, 
like once you hit that 30 year old mark um that it's tough to be like an athletic quarterback and continue to age right. well at the position um even i'm sure josh allen at one point too another similar quarterback is going to have to realize that and kind of start changing his philosophy and not take as many hits to his body look at ben roethlisberger back in the day big ben took hit after hit after hit he just aged like milk cam newton Hey, right. Cam Newton. See, I think that Lamar, if he does sign this contract, even without the fully guaranteed, I still think he'll make most of, if not all of the money from the contract. So I don't really have a fear of that. So maybe that's why I'm pretty neutral on the term of guaranteed. Um, but I, I do think that it behooves the NFL to not have guaranteed contracts just getting handed out like candy because it's a tough sport and things happen. Yeah. And um, when it comes to baseball, I hate that they had fully guaranteed contracts, mostly because it means the players who shouldn't be in the league kind of hang around the league for years or hang around on rosters for years. And maybe not just specifically for like Lamar Jackson, but I, I just think in general, it's a bad business for the NFL to hand out fully guaranteed contracts. Yeah, I understand the point there. And the NFL doesn't hand out guaranteed contracts because they can. It's just kind of how they've been negotiating for years and only in the cases of Kirk Cousins being able to withstand the franchise tag and hitting free agency or the sexual predator getting traded to the Browns has there been a case where circumstances were just right. Now, usually the guarantees are around like 75 to 80% now. So what we're talking about is, again, a, a few tens of millions of dollars and that being guaranteed versus him having to make a roster in order to guarantee those, which I assume for the next seven years, Lamar Jackson isn't in jeopardy of not making a roster. What's difficult about the situation is like you said last year, I would argue that Lamar Jackson could blow out his knee and would still teams would line up for a fully guaranteed contract. I feel less confident than I did last year and yet still feel the case that Lamar Jackson will still get a, gigantic contract larger than Kyler Murray, even if he gets hurt. Uh, the difference there is uh, one Lamar Jackson is going to, I know the whole thing about Lamar taking hits because he runs is the big deal, but Lamar doesn't really ever take hits and the quarterback position is super protected. He's yes. He got hurt at the end of last year. And so did Patrick Mahomes in, in a regular season game against the Broncos. And he missed about the same amount of time. Like I, the whole thing about Lamar, like taking too many hits is a little overblown in my opinion. So I think that He'll play out whatever the contract is. He'll get another big one. Uh, obviously, he's representing himself, which is a big part of shooting for the guaranteed contract. I think if an agent were advising him and he's going to get $235 million, regardless of the guarantees, I think an agent might advise him to sign it just because other quarterbacks who also have agents have signed those deals. I don't know if that's like a causation correlation thing. I just... I'm interested by the fact that what was what exactly was the holdup in the contract? Like we know exactly what type of contract he's going to get. We know what the language is going to be in the deal. It's going to be $3 million more than Kyler Murray, which was a hundred thousand dollars more than Deshaun Watson, which was $2 million more than Josh Allen. Like it, mm -hmm. it's a very strategic pattern of contracts. It's why I was surprised that um, they hadn't signed the deal yet. And now I guess we kind of know the reason why. Kyle, have you heard any reporting on how many years would be on this proposed contract? Uh, I don't have the exclusive report like I had with Kyler Murray. No, I, I had the Kyler Murray news two weeks beforehand uh, just because I had I do yeah. a Cardinals podcast and stuff. But I, I guess why uh, I asked no. is just because like I, I'm curious if, if if it was a shorter contract, then I think it's might be okay to sign that guarantee, that fully guaranteed contract for the Ravens. If you told me it was like, because go back to Kirk Cousins when he signed his fully guaranteed contract. I believe it was a three-year deal. Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah, it was It was a three-year deal. Yeah, A three-year deal fully guaranteed. I might be more comfortable doing that, but I don't want to fully guarantee a five-year, a six-year, a 10-year deal. That's what when I think that the Ravens will have lost their mind in terms of handing out this contract. On that I mean, basis. if you want to keep it in the middle, I say just give them four years. Four years, fully guaranteed. Let's see. So his, the baseline's what, like forty million? Uh, per year, Kyler Murray's year. getting forty-six, so probably about forty-seven to fifty. Probably if it's if it's a four-year contract, think like the Aaron Rodgers deal, which was yeah. four years, two hundred million. Okay, so yeah, we're talking four years, two hundred million, fully guaranteed for Lamar Jackson. 
I'm thinking about the Ravens team construct. They've built a nice team around Lamar and what he does well. Um, when you think about the offensive line, how it's built, them drafting a center this year, strong running game with J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. They can make it work on a short-term basis, and I think that might be a compromise that if I'm Lamar, I'm negotiating this, I might seek. Maybe, hey, I want to f- – if that's really the important thing to me, having that fully guaranteed contract, then maybe I can seek it on a short-term basis. And hey, in three years, four years – Maybe we can reevaluate and I could become the highest paid quarterback once again if I play up to my abilities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and we know from Jake Laser that he's gotten offered more money than Kyler Murray, which makes me think that it's a five year contract, just like Kyler's probably like six to ten million dollars total more. So like two million dollars more than that, because again, like Kyler's was two million more than Deshaun, which was two million more than Josh Allen, which was two million more than Patrick Mahomes. And that's kind of the the layering of those five year contracts. So I'm guessing it's a five year, two hundred forty million dollar fully guaranteed contract, which might be part of the hang up for why uh, he hasn't signed the deal yet. I think it's kind of like what Darian was saying too. the Ravens, how they tend to operate. They didn't hand Flacco his contract until after he won the Super Bowl. Right. Um, They're a very results oriented team and they're a well-run team for what it's worth. I mean, for the last entirety of my life, the Ravens have been a relevant franchise. So I'll I'll give it to them. They, they make shrewd business moves. And this is where it kind of gets tough when a shrewd organization comes against a superstar player who's seeking something that, is a rarity in the sport. Uh, so I don't know who's going to win out exactly. Um, I, I think Lamar at the end of the day is still going to become a very rich man here uh, shortly. It's it just a matter of, is he going to, again, staple himself in NFL history as only the third guaranteed contract. I actually, let's throw this before we close it out here. What are the odds he gets this thing fully guaranteed? I think he's going to try to do it before week one, but I don't see it happening. Yeah. I think he's going to sit out. I think he's going to sit out to like week three or four. I don't think he's going to sit out. I think, I think the thing about Lamar for me personally, I, I just think he has such a high football character for whatever that's worth that. I don't see him as a sit out type player. I don't know. I think he wants to protect his future. You know, he don't want to get hurt. Yeah. But that could create some bad blood with some guys. I mean, look at even like Le'Veon Bell, like that created the whole thing. Oh, you should be worrying about other people's money, but players on his own team started resenting after that. Well, Le'Veon Bell never stepped back into that locker room after it all happened. Because remember, exactly. he sat out that all season. It's different, you know? That may have been a big part of it, too. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Hey, if he Lamar hits the open market, like if his contract expires, obviously he'd be wanted by pretty much all what, 25 NFL teams. Uh, I would say quite 32. There's all, all but four. All but four teams. All but four teams. Maybe Five or six, depending on. I know my team will be involved because no matter what person get released, no matter what quarterback get released, the Raiders got some ties to it, some way, somehow. Can we get Dana White to give Lamar a call? Can we make that happen? (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right, guys. Uh, Well, anyway, let us know what do you think is going to happen with this Lamar situation. Do you think he does get the third fully guaranteed contract in NFL history? Drop below in the comments. Uh, Leave a like on this video. Subscribe to the channel. Uh, We're joined today by Darian Hopkins. We got all his information in the bio of this video. Go ahead and check that out. From Juju Talk Sports, got a lot better. Stay safe, happy, and healthy. We will see you next time. I got to say, I'm really glad that we didn't invest a lot of time into Kevin Durant topics over the last month and a half, two months, because this feels like a win as we found out today that Kevin Durant is officially going to be staying with the Brooklyn Nets in the 2022-2023 season. Uh, Met with Joe Sy, met with Steve Nash, met with the general manager, Sean Marks, and it's official. Again, he will be a Brooklyn Net this coming season. They agreed that he will agree to his four-year contract that he signed last year. So that That's what I got out of it, that they agreed that, yes, this binding contract you signed, we, we will actually fulfill it. Just the irony of this whole situation, something you actually put your signature on doesn't really mean anything in the NBA regardless. I mean, we refrained, but I should say we did technically record a video literally the day before that 
didn't age well because Kevin Durant decided to change the news cycle here on a Tuesday. <laughs> what do you think of this situation? We, we, I mentioned in this video, I got to say, I thought that he was going to be on their opening day roster. And I feel vindicated in saying that as he won't be a son. He won't be a heat. You were correct. And let's just say, like, I know it's bad on that respect. And I released a podcast this morning talking about Kevin Durant. But here's the other part about this is that the news that Kevin Durant was coming back broke at about eight o'clock in the morning, West Coast time, which means in every major market along the West Coast of America, there were sports talk radio shows talking about yesterday's news of the Memphis Grizzlies getting involved and uh, the possible destinations for a trade. So don't worry. Everyone got fooled by Kevin Durant. Some people even worse because they were live on radio when this news came out. Mm -hmm. So everyone got fooled by it this one day because nobody (laughs) saw this coming. I I saw Bill Simmons literally put out there on the Ringer Twitter account. Thanks for all the content over the last two months. Thanks for all the meaningless content over the last few months. Yeah, let's go. (laughs) Meaningless sports content to fill the void because Kevin Durant wasn't willing to make it so ugly that he was going to hold out into training camp, which that's what you got to do. It wasn't that my point, though, that I saw Kevin Durant and it didn't look at a player that would actually sit out games. I didn't think he was of Ben Simmons' character to actually miss uh, meaningful games. I mean, sure, maybe he could said I... I have a back spasm and maybe that's still on the table. I don't know. I I just didn't see him doing that. I didn't see him making it that ugly other than maybe a cryptic social media post. Maybe, like I said, maybe calling out like (laughs) Sean Marks or Steve Nash in private, or maybe we got another Twitter burner account. Juju, what part about Kevin Durant and social media screams cryptic to you? Kevin Durant just fights people in the comments section. Like, that's just Kevin Durant's thing is only, lack of subtlety. Only on after media. he got outed, I should say. Yeah, only but after that was he like, got outed with the Twitter account. At what point? That was like five years ago now. At what point do we kind of move past the burner account thing and be like, Kevin Durant's just an internet troll now? He puts his name on shit now. <laughs> I would not be surprised if you told me a few more burners developed throughout the course of the season, especially if things get a little wonky with the Brooklyn Nets season. If we see a bench blow up between him and Steve Nash, I still think all that stuff is kind of still on the table. Oh, yeah. No, Brooklyn can be had for a price. I think that that's very much in the possibility. Oh, no, no. It's I'm just not no saying like a trade can, will develop over the course of the season. I'm saying that I just think that it could become just an ugly situation because I don't know. How do you like go back into a workplace after you said, I want this dude fired and just make it work? That, uh, I mean, that, no, probably I, I not well. No, I know we're talking about you have to be professionals. This happens. The news cycle comes and goes. But that was a very public report when it came out there for Steve Nash. Of course. And you're only as good as your options. So I think some people who have other options in work yeah, this is such a disrespect that they're not willing to come back to a situation. Depending on your options, you're willing to put up with more crap when, when you're in a work situation. And so, you know, Kevin Durant comes back. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving still have all the power within the organization. Uh, this was the case even before they requested a trade. I think the Kevin Durant trade came about because of the fact that Brooklyn wasn't willing to sign Kyrie Irving to a long-term contract extension. And it felt like they were trying to reassert the power within the organization, the power that they gave all of to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And for a little bit, James Harden, but specifically Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant had all the power. And I, I think that that was what played out where they, they went through that process. It didn't succeed. And they were going to go to another place for basketball reasons, not for power reasons, for <laughs> basketball reasons. And uh, none of the options Kevin Durant wanted actually worked out. I'm seeing all these conspiracy theories today that the trade request was only to weaken their enemies, to have the Celtics publicly put out there that there, that Jalen Brown was on the table to have the heat show their best package or the sun show their best package. Uh, Maybe that's how the Nets get back on top because, okay, coming back today, looking at the Nets, looking at their prospects for this upcoming season. Okay, so we got Kevin Durant. We have Kyrie Irving. uh, And then, of course, coming back to them, maybe Ben Simmons. So maybe you have a big three out there. So the Nets should be a playoff team. I just don't know how much of a better team they are than the team that got swept out of the first round last year. I don't know if they're championship caliber in the Eastern Conference based off so what I saw last I, season. I think that like from a basketball standpoint, I don't know what's going to happen with Brooklyn because I don't know who's going to be there. I don't know who's going to be 
playing games once the playoff rolls around because it's just it's crazy but like on paper definitely better than the hawks regardless of upgrades definitely better than the bulls definitely better than toronto about as good as philadelphia like those are just kind of the teams the category they're in is like there are four really good teams still in the east it's Mm -hmm. or i guess five milwaukee boston miami uh brooklyn and philadelphia and and you slot them in however you slot them in. I just have no idea who's going to show up for Brooklyn. I don't know what their work yeah. dynamics are going to look like and how they come back from this situation. So I think I remember kind of how more or less the season broke down for them last year. I believe they had a one and three record against the Heat. They had a one and three record against the Celtics. And they had a one and three record against the Bucks. But they had a three and one record against the 76ers. So your assertion that they are probably about as good as the 76ers probably is right uh, you mentioned their big three matching up against uh Embiid and Harden this coming season or maybe that's just stylistically a good matchup for them because the old phrase styles make fights maybe that's just one that they would wish if they were landed the postseason they probably wish they would probably just knock out Boston in the first round that might have made their life a little bit easier um albeit maybe the options are going against Milwaukee or well at the time with Chris Middleton hurt Sometimes you can luck into matchups, so that's maybe their opportunity to rise above in the Eastern Conference. They're going to get pieces back from injury. Joe Harris is going to be back for them, so that's going to help them on the wing. As yeah. long as everyone stays healthy, they should be a better team. But that is um, that is a big question mark for this Nets team, right? We have a lot of players who traditionally throughout their career have not stayed healthy or stayed in one place or kept them mentally together throughout the course of a season. Looking at you, Kyrie Irving. Heck, well, that even. that's the point I'm thinking. It can't go much worse than last year, right? Like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons, as not together, like just as a total, played 80 games between the three of them the entire season last year. So it can't get much worse than last year in terms of not being available. Like the vaccine mandates are lifted, so Kyrie Irving wins in the end. After everything that happened, Kyrie Irving wins, except he doesn't get a new contract. So, Watch out, man. I hear monkeypox is in the water these days. Kyrie Irving <laughs> wins in the end and Kevin Durant is going to come back. So like they're, it can't be much worse than last year, but that's the same thing I said when I was breaking it down. It's yeah. like, they're in that group of five and I have no idea who's going to be available. I have no idea who's going to be playing. I have no idea what's going to happen with that team. It's just as long as they have those three pieces, they're a championship contender. That's a big old if. They're a championship it's a big contender. old if. I won't go as far as championship contender, but I can say that they can be in that group of second round. I would say that would totally be a solid fair. floor to put them at. Yeah, um, I, th- I could agree with you on that. I agree I, with you there. I think part of the thing in the misevaluation, and it's kind of like, think of it in this way. It's kind of like college football preseason rankings. Last year, we had them as the championship favorite coming into the year, and then they show that they were definitively not in that tier. So now we're trying to reevaluate them uh, based on actually seeing the results of this team working together. Did they get dramatically better throughout the course of last year or the off season? It all is going to boil down to really Ben Simmons. What is Ben Simmons after a year of not playing? That's going to be a big question mark for me because if he's Ben Simmons from a few years ago, then that, that, could like you said, that could be a team that could elevate to a championship level. Although, be it, I've never seen Ben Simmons. I don't have a reference point of him being in a championship level too, being with the Philadelphia 76ers. But he could, but he can be part of that one potentially. Oh. <laughs> hey, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm disrespecting the seven foot Rondo. I meant the Sixers, man. The Sixers were a Kawhi bounce away from going to the finals. The Sixers were the number one seed in the Eastern Conference in 2021. And like yet the it's disrespect been of the Sixers. 20 years since they've been to a conference finals. Oh, you're no, you're correct. I'm just the idea that they weren't close is just it's it's brutal on Philadelphia. But to, to your point, yeah, no idea what's going to happen with Ben Simmons. No idea how many games Kyrie Irving's going to play because Kyrie Irving just didn't want to work last year which is fine and it's all fun it's all chaotic and I have no reason to to evaluate that a big three of Jason Tatum Jalen Brown and Robert Williams is better than a big three of Kyrie Irving Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons it's just it's crazy to me that Brooklyn has the all these moving pieces and yet if they all play together they're gonna be so good they're gonna be so good and so fun and 
you know, you said Ben Simmons is is what it all comes down to. And, you know, that's saying a lot about the availability of Kyrie Irving and like Kyrie Irving is going to be the person it all comes down to, which is crazy that they have all these moving pieces. And like I said, I have no idea what's going to happen to them next year. I'm going to need a like 50 game sample size to figure it out. But it's crazy to think about that. They're going to come back together after all this. What's that phrase that Aaron Rodgers used a couple years ago? The Nets are a beautiful mystery. That's how I look at them coming into this year. Although I'll nix the beautiful. They're just a mystery to me. Anyway, guys, if if you have an idea of what the Brooklyn Nets are going to be this year, go ahead and drop that below in the comments. Uh, What did you think of this whole finessing by Kevin Durant withdrawing his trade request at the last minute? Uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that as well. Leave a like on this video. Hit that subscribe button from Drew Talk Sports and Kyle Ledbetter. Stay safe, happy, and healthy. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.